Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin. This is session number 18. On today's episode, I talk to Pat Johnson. She's the owner of the aptly named Pat's Games in Austin, Texas. Pat's story is pretty different from the other entrepreneurs featured on the show so far. Unlike many other game stores, Pat's Games focuses exclusively on magic. And the thing is, she's crushing it. In fact, Pat has literally built a castle as part of her business. Over the course of the episode, Pat and her business manager, Jim, give us a ton of tantalizing insights into what makes Pat's Games a force to be reckoned with. If you want to get a great understanding of how to build a business around magic, Pat's got what you're looking for. So let's dig in. Okay, um, I'm Pat Johnson. I own Pat's Games in Austin, Texas. I've been <clears throat> running the store for 19 years and playing magic for 19 years. Um, I got into magic because I had an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. And uh, we were at Toys R Us, and they wanted to the, me to buy them a portal magic kit. And I thought it was sleight of hand magic because I had never heard of magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got home, and we sat down, and they said, play with me, Mom. And that's, that's how I learned about magic. Okay, so why did you decide to build a business around it? Well, we started playing with their friends and... Then we started playing Friday Night Magic at, at a local store you have interviewed before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and we were having a lot of fun. I, I thought there were a lot of things that could have been done better because the tournaments never started on time. They were mm-hmm. starting like an hour, two hours late. And I was bringing not only my children, but all of their friends and so I had all these kids between 7 and 11. And when the tournaments didn't start on time, um, we yeah. never could finish the tournament. Mm-hmm. But the store was nice enough, and they treated us really well. They always gave one of my group a Friday Night Magic card. And uh, so we had, we had a good time. And uh, then the store, the store that was having the tournaments, they um, – they did all kinds of games and comic books, and the owner decided he didn't want to do magic anymore. Um, he would basically call me and say, Pat, are you coming with all the kids? Because if you don't come, we're not going to have eight people. Hmm. And then the judges that he had were husband and wife who worked at IBM and moved to Virginia. And so he told me, Pat, you're bringing so many people why don't you take this to your own store? And uh, I had a Beanie Baby store. I don't really like saying that too much, but it's the truth. <laughs> and it crashed. It crashed big. So, so, um, so he said, you know, I don't want to hire judges. Go to alliances here in town. You, you know, we got the distributor right there. Get, get Magic product, and you take it over. So basically he gave me Magic in Austin. And we've had – we were only like – couple miles apart we've always only been a couple miles apart we've always worked extremely well together we don't do anything but magic and we refer everybody over to that store 
um, for their comic books, for their Warhammer, for whatever. And they refer uh, many, many people over here for the singles because they don't carry um, a large amount of singles. They only carry uh, standard singles. And uh, so we have had a great relationship. Um, I know... You know, I've known uh, I've known David for like 19 years, and uh, and like so, we're friends. Nice. Sounds uh, sounds like a pretty good relationship you have with somebody who's not necessarily your direct competitor anymore. I guess. No, no, they moved up to a, a much bigger store. Uh, I ended up. I already had a 700 square foot store that I was selling Beanie Babies at when the beanies were the hottest. Mm-hmm. And I was doing really well, and then um, we incorporated magic, so we were doing magic and beanies and Pokemon. Um, I tried to get a direct account from Wizards. Um, basically, I was wanting Pokemon product because that was hot. That was beanies and Pokemon. And, I remember. And Wizards said, we can't give you an account on on Pokemon, but we'll give you an account on magic. And- and if enough tournaments, we'll give you Pokemon. So I had my kids playing Magic and Wizards agreeing that, you know, I could get the hotter product at the time if if I did Magic tournaments <laughs> and, and David, David giving me Magic. So there were only like two other stores in Austin doing tournaments at that time. When was and this? So, uh, <clears throat> this was like um, 1996. The okay. beanies crashed in 1998, and po- Pokemon was also going down at that time. So, so it was kind of cool because my store never really faltered as the beanies supported the magic, and then then the magic began supporting the beanies. So I was always in good financial shape, and it was very interesting because I would have ladies coming in to buy beanies, and and they're buying $200 beanies, $1,000 beanies, and the Magic players would be sitting there and going, how could these people be spending so much on a little toy? And then then the, then the ladies would look at the Magic players buying, you know, $50 cards, and they go like, how can these people spend all this on a little piece of cardboard? And the deal was, it was the same thing. You know, they were yeah. collectibles. They were the same thing. And so it was an easy transition for me um, do, doing because they were basically the same thing. Yeah. No, that sounds sounds really good, actually. that It turned out really well for you that it uh, transitions very smoothly into something. You didn't have to pivot that hard, actually. A lot of my beanie customers became my magic customers also. Yeah, because you know they were kids of the eleven-year-old age, and uh, and uh, I had a Highland Park school right next to me, and the Crenshaw's Athletic Club, and so the kids would come over after school and play magic, and so I had a built-in right right close um, a group of customers, and the parents already knew me from selling beanies and also from um, substitute teaching at Highland Park, so. It just went really well because all at once I had, you know, 24 kids around 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 16-year-old playing Magic. And it started with all kids. Hmm. Okay, so why only Magic? 
It's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about specifically because most stores that I've talked to, most stores in general that sell magic, it's only a portion of their business. You know, like it's usually like one of the biggest ones because it's a great game, but it's very rare for a, a business to actually just be magic. How did you do it? Well, I did start out with Pokemon and Magic. Pokemon, I started doing $40 cash tournaments, and all. And this was a lot of money 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started getting all the adult or, you know, older Magic crowd in, and they were playing Pokemon to get in on the, on the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, you know, I started with just those two games. I did try to do more of Wizards games, um, pretty much wanted to support Wizards in any of their games, and so I did do uh, Dual Masters, I did Dreamblade, I did Neopets, I did Harry Potter, I did The Simpsons, um, and many, many tra- Transformers, many more, and I was successful. I got Dual Masters going with about 50 people here. Um, Neopets was a great crowd. They were younger, and we had tournaments at 11 in the morning where Magic players and, uh, you know, the older, older crowd doesn't want to get up at 11 on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that group, when Viacom did not renew the license with Wizards, um, Neopets went away, which was really sad. And the people that were here were such a close-knit community that they kept coming every Christmas for, for several years to play Neopets and get together. So, so that was, that was uh, really interesting. But um, Wizards never kept these games going. Mm-hmm. As, as hard as I tried, I even took all my Magic product out of my display case and put in the Dreamblade uh, figurines. And, uh, and then, then Wizards dropped it. And, of course, they dropped Sorry, you broke up there for a second. So I just just oh, and then they dropped Dual Masters too, and I decided the only thing that they were keeping going was Magic, and and so I decided I'm not I'm just going to do Magic. So I I didn't do Kaijudo when they came out with that, and I haven't done any of their other things. I mean I love Wizards, I want to support Wizards, but you know they kind of let me down when I convince people to buy cards and then those cards became worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how that would be very disappointing. Both sides for you and the players. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I crossed over the, you know, what I did was to get people into Dreamblade. Um, to, I was really taking my magic players and getting them into Dreamblade, and I let them take their prizes when they played Magic, I let them take Dreamblade for prizes. And basically for Pokemon, I let them take Magic for prizes. And so I always, when I, I was really taking my own customers and stealing them from one game to another. And they only have so much money to spend. So it wasn't like it was really helping my business to have more games. Mm. Uh, I did try Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I didn't like I didn't like the way Yu-Gi-Oh! worked with only certain high-dollar cards. Everybody needed the same high-dollar cards. There wasn't any diversity in the decks. And um, so I did try a few other things, and then I just came to the point where I'm getting huge, huge magic crowds. The magic players want all the attention. They want more and more different kinds of tournaments. 
and more days of the week to, to run them. So, like I said, it, it was all I needed. It, it filled our store. It filled our time. It filled our store so full that I rented, uh, had to rent a second store. I had 700 square feet, and then I rented another 700 square feet, and then I started using the flower shop next to me in the evenings. And, um, and then all the rent I was paying, I decided I just need to go ahead and buy my own property. And so I did and uh, got really lucky because I bought it um, 12 years ago. And that was before Austin just really boomed. And the property that I have has doubled in price. Nice. And so, yeah, so, so I got really, really lucky on, on that end also. Okay, so describe your store now. Like, what does it look like? <laughs> my my store is a castle. Um, I bought two lots, and one had a house that was built in 1945. The other lot had an old garage on it that I tore down or had Habitat for Humanity tear down and donated the lumber. And first, I didn't have I didn't have enough money to build what I wanted to build on the on the empty lot. So we ran the, ran our tournaments out of the old house and it was pretty dilapidated. I mean, had old green cupboards that were fallen broken and we just cut a big hole in the, one of the kitchen walls and made it our, our sales area. We put all our magic product in the closet. We weren't even, we weren't even closed one day. We just moved in in the night and opened up the next day. We had people playing all over the yard. We had people playing on the front porch. Um, and then, we, then I was lucky, and I found a, a, a new builder in Austin, and he gave me a tremendous price to build my castle. And I would have liked to build it two-story, but the bank only let me have enough money to build a one-story. <laughs> but but I do have uh, the bridge, the pond, the the troll under the bridge, um, the the koi. Um, so I got a turret in the middle. Uh, of the castle and it's L-shaped so you come in through the turret and then you see the front desk right away. So it's a literal castle. It is a little castle. It, it's not huge like I said it's it's 1400 square feet and the and the little the building little house next door is 1400 square feet. Once I got this built we moved into the castle and then I went ahead and tore all the walls out of the, the little house and and re rearranged to bigger rooms and did a brand new bathroom, got new cupboards in. We still have a nice kitchen over there. Um, we have refrigerators in both places if people want to bring drinks and stuff. We, we sell drinks, too. Um, but basically, then I remodeled that. And then... Even between both buildings, I don't have enough space, so I built a, oh my gosh, 2,000 square foot patio, I believe. I was asking Jim for sure. At least a 2,000 square foot rock patio uh, using Boston rock, and um, and then I then I had it covered. First, I thought we could go with just having it open to the sky, but um, the rain and the pecans, and I had canvas over it, and all the all the rain and pecans gathered up there and uh, got rotten and it wasn't working. So then I had to have it covered. And then the tournaments were so big. Um, we had the state championship here. We had 177 people. And so I had to, 
make sure that people could walk from one building to the other building without rain getting on their cards. So I took the front window out of the castle and built a doorway, and then I built a walkway between the a covered walkway between the two buildings. Wow. And so we have two we have two thousand eight hundred square foot in buildings, and then at least another two thousand square feet in patio. And then I never quit building, and then because I never have enough space. So then I, I took the porch that was on the old house, and and tore that down, and then poured more cement and doubled that. And that's the smoking area. We have the designated smoking area. So it's a high porch, so it's kind of cool. You can look off, um, get a nice breeze because you're up higher. And then below that, um, I have another smoking area, which is, again, a uh, patio. And now we're starting to go into the backyard and um, landscaping that. My two passions are uh, magic and gardening. And I combined both of them. We've had uh, weddings here, birthday parties, Eagle Scout meetings. Um, we close at 5 on Saturday, and then Saturday afternoons and Sundays we can do special events. Wow. It's hard not to say that. That sounds incredible. It, it's, it's just insane in that I didn't even know ma what magic was. And now, I, I mean, I work every single day. Um, I'm here to kick every tournament off in the evening. We we run um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we run all five formats. We do legacy, uh, modern, booster drafts, standard. What's the other one, Jim? <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, we do all the formats. We do popper on Friday nights. Um, we do commander. And so basically the whole property is just full of magic players. And we give usually the club, we call it the clubhouse now next door that that gets standard and modern. Um, the main castle gets booster draft and legacy. And like I said, we get, we get um, the 60, 60 people on, uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are, those are our biggest nights because um, there's, not not very many stores in Austin doing events on those nights. Uh, Friday nights are huge in Austin now. There's, I think, 20 stores doing Friday night magic. We are a big city of a million people. And so Friday nights for us are kind of small because people are generally going to play close to where, where their house is because traffic <laughs> is really bad and stuff. But um, we had the biggest PTQs in Texas. Um, and Wizards did choose us to do the PTQs. Now they have pre-PTQs, and yeah. a lot of stores get to do them. But um, we people people like the way we run tournaments because we start them on time. I don't care if it's a 10-person tournament or a 300-person tournament. We start on time. Uh, that's that's my big deal. And if people if traffic's bad and they give me a call, I'll wait 10 minutes, but just 10 minutes. And I, I think people like the consistency. Uh, they know what they're going to get here. We have very good judging. We have expertise in Magic because we don't have to learn all these other games. And Magic players really like to be just with Magic players. At least that's what they tell me. They don't really want to be around Warhammer. They definitely don't want to be around Pokemon and little kids. So, um, yeah, so the Magic is, Magic is... 
all I need, basically all I need. All my beanies went away. They're in a shed. <laughs> and, and hoping for some day that they may resurrect, but I don't think so. Yeah. That seems kind of unlikely, but who knows, right? Maybe. Could be a resurgent in beanie baby popularity. You never know. So is it is it the fact that uh, Austin is a major city that uh, you get such high turnouts compared to yes. other places? Is that the reason? Absolutely. Just um, density? Density. There's 150 people moving into Austin every day. And uh, we. Uh, my location is really fantastic because I'm uh, right next to UT, uh, the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. So um, kids can bus over here. So we got a pretty big college crowd. Um, mostly all our players are older now. Um, I think when Wizards... Uh, quit doing the junior super series. I lost a lot of my kids that were, were coming here, but then the kids also grew up, went off to college and now have come back. Um, I, it's been interesting because I've followed these people for 19 years. A lot of them consider me their mom. Hmm. Uh, they, they come into Austin, even if they don't have time to play magic, they'll stop in and say hi. Nice. It's good to have that kind of a relationship with, Somebody you've known for a long time, even if it's just a customer. Many of the parents have come and thanked me um, for keeping their kids off drugs and giving them a safe place to play. And uh, we used to have, like, so it used to be all kids, and I put up a basketball hoop so they, when they finish early, they could go out and play basketball. I've baked cookies here. I had an oven. Um, just, just was um, very good times. I've been so fortunate to to uh, have this kind of job and and all these people all the magic players go i wish i could own a magic store but a lot of them don't realize how much work it is okay it's definitely a very difficult path in life there's a well it's, it's like any entrepreneurial endeavor it's it's a ton of work it's way more than you think looking on the outside and but one of the things i wanted to ask about specifically was uh when you were transitioning and you were moving and you moved into the house before you had the, the castle was, uh, how did the players react to playing in a, what's kind of like someone's home? How did that uh, work for them? Exactly. Um, when, when we were playing in the little house or clubhouse, mm-hmm. um, to me, the clubhouse was beautiful. <laughs> It sounds nice. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful when I moved in and it was all, you know, all the windows were broken and we had to board them up. The cupboards were falling down. But to me, it was beautiful because it was mine. And the players, the players did feel like they were at home and no one ever really complained. Years later, someone said something about, well, I remember when we played in that dilapidated house. <laughs> And my feelings were so hurt because I never, I never really saw it that way. It, mm-hmm. It's and but it was. Now that I think back of it, it it was. And now this last year, I put brand new windows in the in the house. Um, just com- continually, every penny I earn, I put back into the into the property, making it nicer for the players. Um, and it's just fun. That's why I work. I work. Uh, this this this. Um, Business is one of my children. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my children, and and uh, I have I have two daughters that helped me um, when we started the store. They worked for me. They were only, um, like I said, they were 11 years old, and it was the three women running the store. Uh, my son didn't want to work with us, but <laughs> but uh, it was it was a very different time. Very 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 different time. There weren't any women um, running stores. There were very very few playing magic. But my my uh, my daughters were very good at magic. So was my son. We went to nationals in San Diego for the Junior Super Series. Um, so so yeah, it's huh. it's been a it's been a family thing for us, a family business. Um, my my family grew up, and my son is now in Daytona Beach. Uh, he's an airline pilot, and my my daughter is getting a PhD in quantum physics, and my other one is a carpenter. She helped me build some some of our buildings, so she's still she's still with me. But um, they all still play magic. Yeah, it's funny how it kind of follows you through life. It, it does. You, uh, I've taken breaks, and I think. Everybody takes breaks, but they always come back. Yeah, pretty much everybody quits for a little while, but it's quits with air quotes. Like it's always a couple of years, and then it pulls you right back in. You just can't exactly can't stay away. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask when you talk. You said that you hold virtually every format in just yes. a single day. Yes. That seems pretty incredible. Yeah, and they all make too. We get, we get um, up to twenty nine players playing Legacy, where a lot of lot of places can't even get eight people playing Legacy. No. But we have a very very strong Legacy crowd, and then our modern, you know, we'll get it twelve to fifteen playing modern, twelve to fifteen playing standard, and probably two eight people drafts going. I didn't add that up, but it, it comes to about 60. Mm-hmm. Some people play modern and they play legacy. So, you know, some nights one will one will have a, a bigger group than the other. Um, but, yeah, it's they all want to come here. Magic players want to be where they can trade cards. And little stores that don't have enough people doesn't make trading good. And so a lot of times they, they all, we, there's a Facebook group called Austin, Texas magic players, ATX magic. Mm -hmm. And they all talk on there about, okay, we're going to meet at Pat's tonight. We're going to print, um, play test for this star city games thing. Or, um, and so, so oftentimes, I mean, they'll, they'll also say they're going to meet at the, the other stores in Austin too, but most often they meet here because of the large number of people. That makes sense. More people, the more ability, the more opportunity to find somebody new to trade with. Yes, and we're and we're centrally located. Like I said, it's um, there's there's two two pretty good stores, well, actually three now out south of Austin, and then there's some way out in Cedar Park, which is a suburb of Austin, and then some way north. So when when people want to meet, this is. The location is just very important um, because it's equal distance for everybody. And I've had I've had quite a few people that have actually rented apartments 
that are a couple blocks from my store. And one guy just lately sold his house out in Steiner Ranch, which is a very expensive neighborhood, and bought um, bought a house right here, four blocks from my store. So just to be close, they, they really want to be here at home. <laughs> Fantastic. So have you uh, have you ever tested which formats work best for you? Like, do you find certain formats are uh, drawn more players, get more people excited, sell more cards? What's what's your best performing one? Um. Well, wow. Uh, I would guess standard is the biggest um, because people new can can um, can get into standard. I always encourage people to draft. Um, to get cards to start playing standard and our drafts are just $12 and on Friday and Saturday we give everybody a participation pack. Uh, we split the week uh, between um, competitive prize payouts and casual prize payouts and Tuesday, Thursday are competitive nights. Uh, we want to get everybody into the store at least once a week so we do do you know, different payouts to attract different people. I like and it. Competitive players want to play competitive players and casual players want to play casual players. Yeah, exactly. So, so Friday, Saturdays are casual and not, not much high prize for the, you know, the three O person. It's mm -hmm. uh, the, that person only gets two extra packs and everybody gets a participation pack. And then on Tuesday, Thursday, like I said, it's higher payout for the, the people that go four O or three O depending on how many rounds we're doing. Uh, but all the formats really, really do well. Uh, uh, Legacy is just really strong in Austin. And Modern, I've been pushing. That's the one I'm pushing. Um, so when I do my pre-PTQs, I do them as Modern. Um, and I do them as 1Ks, $1,000 cash tournaments. And we, we capped it at, what did we cap it at, Jim? Uh, 90. 90 last time. And we had, we, I don't, I didn't turn anybody away. It's real hard for me to do that, mm -hmm. but we went over our cap. My judges don't like it when I do that, but we, <laughs> we went over the cap and we do pre-register and it, it does not let them register online when it's full, but they show up anyway. So, um, we're, we're doing our next one, June 7th. It is modern. It's a $1,000 cash tournament. We get people from San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Corpus, um, because they know we run good events. We have, um, we scroll, we've scrolled pairings before wizard scroll pairings. We've scrolled pairings before star city scroll pairings. Um, my business manager who's sitting right here, um, Jim Hughes has an MBA from Michigan, and he wrote all my software that runs the store. I have $30,000 worth of software running the store. And I, I don't know if you looked at our online ordering system, but... Uh, I did take a, take a look at your website. Yeah, it's, um, it's fantastic. It's, it's smoother running than the other big online stores because it's written just for our store. It was the greatest investment I ever made. Um, we keep, I, wa I wondered how could I do this better than online? How could I make people buy cards from me rather than online? Mm -hmm. And I saw that Star City keeps very, very little 
of the good stuff in their online store. They take it all on their, uh, what we call traveling roadshow. Okay. And, uh, and the other online sites also, they're always out of the best cards, um, the best standard cards or the best modern cards. And so I, I thought the only way that I could do this, I want everybody to be able to get everything they want here so they don't have to order something from Star City, something from Channel Fireball, something, you know. So what I did was I put tons of money into inventory, and I have 98% of all cards in stock at all times. So people know when they place an order with us, they're going to get all the cards. And that's just huge because if they place it on Thursday night or Friday morning, they know they're going to have the cards for Friday Night Magic. Or they know they're going to have the cards to go to the Star City Games you know, Invitational. Um, mm -hmm. And they know that – I'm going to plug myself here. They know they're going go to get them a better price than when they go to the, those big events where prices are, are um, raised, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's uh... – that's interesting. So you you well, you had the Jim create all the software for you. Yeah, I have my my own software written um, by by Jim Hughes. He's um, he is a magic player, and he originally started writing my software for the Power Nine. I was paying him in cardboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has a lot of cardboard after five years now <laughs> because he keeps improving the software. We go, oh, we'd like this little thing changed or that little thing changed. And uh, basically we're to the point, you know, person doesn't have to know any magic to, to be able to pull the orders because it'll tell them what, what shelf it's on. And, and then the boxes are all labeled like this is invasion. And, and then we have them sorted by color and rarity in there. And then uh, his order, his order thing will tell us it's, it's on the fifth shelf. It's in invasion. It's a black card. It's rare, and we have Like I said, we have, and so we can just pull cards like in an instant. And like I said, we we actually get all all the card business here in Austin because there's no other store in Austin that has the inventory that has all the cards. And it took me 19 years to build this. I remember starting out with three small binders. Mm -hmm. Can I tell them how much inventory I have, Jim? Sure. Okay. I have. <laughs> Jim. I, I, I keep her on a, on a tight leash sometimes. I like to talk. Uh, right okay. now we have over 300000 in singles, dollars. Yikes. And then we have, uh, we're also um, put, put sealed product away. We still have Graveborn. We still have Fire and Lightning. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we we can we our space can be for the product because that's all we do and all of our money can go to magic. If you're running a, a five thousand square foot store with Warhammer and comic books, you need to you need to decide how much money to put into each thing. Mm -hmm. But we know where we're putting our money. Singles, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would assume that that's where you're making the majority of your money. That's Singles is what you do. That's yeah. So, do you uh, buy cards as well? Um, yeah. This is Jim. Let me uh, explain a couple sure. things. I've been listening. Um, so, first of all, from the systems perspective, at least looking at it 
from, let's say, the customer side, mm. not only can they order cards from us, they can also sell cards to us and trade in the cards. So we offer a, um, you know, our, we've got our buy list out there, and then we offer a 20% premium on top of the buy list for store credit. So you see a lot of these orders coming in where, you know, they're buying the guts of a deck, whether it's a standard deck, a modern deck, and they're trading in all their extra stuff for their old decks, and, th and they're making their deals on their own. So the, that, that I think, is, um, I, I think that's answering the question that you, you were bringing up. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a program, our customer loyalty program, where every month we send out um, – a get an online gift certificate for uh, 3% of your purchases, you know, if you've exceeded a threshold. So, you know, that's been very popular. We're getting set uh, either today or tomorrow to um, reward our top 50 customers with gift certificates uh, towards, you know, uh, Modern Masters 2015. Mm -hmm. um, the system is integrated with the email system that we use. So when you create your customer account, um, assuming that you leave the checkbox checked, you know, we automatically add you to our email list. And all of this is um, in furtherance of, I think, one of Pat's uh, really core strategies, and that is maintaining the relationship with the customer. You know, she's mentioned she's here all the time. She knows the customers. Uh, Pat's been invited to their weddings, you know, things like that, right? Yeah. And so all of this, you know, increasing the communication between the store and the customer, uh, tightening the relationship at both a business and personal level, I think, you know, as, you know, and having been around a while, I think is critical to the success of the store. And it's probably something um, she doesn't want to brag about too much. But I'll brag on her, you know, for her. Great. Right now we are we have three thousand four hundred um, people we email to. I mean, customers, mm -hmm. and we don't ship. See, we don't ship. We keep all the best stuff for the people here in Austin and the surrounding uh, suburbs. And uh, we've I think we're over like ninety thousand orders that we've filled. Yeah. Um, so we we uh, we come in in the morning and we can have a hundred orders sitting there, and it takes uh, my my store manager Logan and my my other uh, employee Jesse and me. We come in at noon, and we open at two, and sometimes we barely have everything pulled by two. Uh, so so we're getting a lot of orders. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the way Jim was telling you the trade-in system, mm -hmm. people can sit at home and make their own deals. We also keep three computers here available for them if they want to do their, you know, trades here in person. Um, but it has it makes it so streamlined that I only need uh, two employees, which I, I do keep my overhead as low as possible. And we try to make everything uh, computer operated. I mean, our, our registration has always been online pre-registration. And um, like I said, we, we, we run everything 
just just so smoothly because we've had the 19 years experience doing it. I mean, I, we started out when there was no software um, where you had to pair everything by hand and write the DCI number of the winner on, on the left and, uh, and the non-winner on the right. We don't have losers here at Pat's Games. Uh, and then we had to fax it into Wizards. And I know I was spending $20 a month on, on phone fees just faxing it in. And there were only a few stores in Austin, and none of the other ones would spend the money to fax it in or take the time to fill out the winner sheets and stuff. So so we, we've, we've been running these things very smoothly for a very, very long time. Fantastic. So your custom software solution, do you think that's that's a well it's so vital? Good. Like, like it, that sounds awesome. Like it's but it's so good I don't want anyone else to have it. See, Jim and I could go on the road and sell this software to all these other stores, but that's giving away a lot of my trade secrets because not only has it has a great front end customer customer the what the customers can see, mm. but the back end that we see, we have all the reports. We can see when we've missed a card, uh, what cards are selling the best, um, just incredible tools that I, I know their other software doesn't have. We've looked at one of the main sellers of software um, like Powers? this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention their name, but ours does, so much more, so much more. Um, it, it, I can sort, I can go set by set um, and sort the cards however I want to, um, and I sort them by rarity, and then I just go down the list um, and and see, oh, balance on hand 10, balance on hand 40, balance on hand whatever, and then I, I do uh, raise and lower my buy price according to what we have. I don't use Star City's buy list. I don't use anybody else's buy list. I use, I need this, I raise this price up high. Sometimes it may not sound smart, but I'll pay full price for it because my goal is to fill every order. And I might lose on that card or not make anything on that card, but I'm going to make money on the rest of that order and that person's going to keep coming back. They like mm -hmm. the fact that they can see the cards. Um, they can see that they're in near mint condition. Uh, we do, if they want, if they want some moderately played ones, we give them better prices on that. Um, but we check for counterfeits, which has been a lot of, lot of problems uh, for other stores, especially stores that don't know how to check. You know, and we try to keep the other stores in Austin informed on when counterfeits do come into Austin. Mm -hmm. I give the stores a call and I tell them what to look for. Um, do you have a system to figure that out? Um, basically, uh, basically my, my store manager is so experienced. I mean, he knows like special print runs where, you know, this one set, there was one special little print run where the font was a little different or the, the ink was a little different. Um, it's just from looking at billions of cards and then reading all the articles and then we have the magnifying glasses and, you know, we do the little bend test, but we, you know, we, we know what to look for. And we stay up on top of any articles out there on Reddit and anywhere that 
we're hearing about counterfeits and and then know what what is what's happening with that counterfeit is it too shiny is it too thin does the blue the blue um pixels show through with the blue uh on the cards and uh so i mean we we know what to look for and again the customers here in austin know that they're going to get good cards okay how often has uh counterfeiting been an issue for you uh we we've had counterfeits come into the store uh not m- more most likely it was like uh customers traded for them in other stores um this was the main problem and they came into our store and the guy was uh, one of the guys was going to change up his deck and he took the card out of the perfect fit mm-hmm. and then he could just feel it was all wrong and he could see it was waxy um but the person traded it to him in a perfect fit the person knew he was trading counterfeits because he bought them off of eBay he was trading them all over the city um so so we had that one big splurge like that of counterfeits and then some stupid counterfeits where people print out and glue over stuff which is which is easy to see mm-hmm. um anything else on counterfeits Jim Yeah well I mean we've never knowingly sold a counterfeit card We've never had a, a card come back to us from somebody who bought it here you know, saying, you know, you gave me a counterfeit card. Um, you know, and again, due to the knowledge of the guys who are working the front desk and, you know, especially uh, keeping track of all the high-end cards because, again, critical to the success of the store is, you know, our, our reputation. and. So far, it's been real good. you got to maintain that. I have always hired magic players um, to work here. I don't hire uh, minimum wage somebody off the street. I mean, the guys I've had work behind the desks uh, play magic every day. And any anybody can come in my store, the two guys that are working here, and can tell them, they can look at their deck and go, oh, Oh, you need this card or you need that card. And the customers will come in and go, I need a card that's going to whatever, draw me exactly what cards they need for their deck. And so we do a lot of um, deck building or deck uh, advice. Deck advice. Yeah. I don't know yeah. the best word to call. But it's, again, uh, customer service that you don't get anywhere um, there's a big, big store up in Dallas. I won't name that one either, but <laughs> <laughs> my my store manager, Logan, went up there, and he really did want to buy some of their foil cards, but he said nobody would even wait on them. Like they were all kind of over in a corner because they didn't want to work. And he said it was incredibly bad service, even though they had a tremendous stock of cards. But automatic turnoff. Yeah. Right. You don't. Why even support a business that's not going to, well, even appreciate the fact that you came in the door. Well, like I said, I work every day here with my guys, and my guys also get profit sharing, so they have an extra incentive to to work hard. Although they really, really love the game, they know the game. They take pride in in being able to tell people advice, and uh, so they have. They love the store, <laughs> and they feel, yeah. You know, like I said, I, I, 
I had my two daughters work with me at the beginning. And now the two guys are, are like my sons. They're not really my sons, but they're like my sons. Yeah, they become your family. We are. We're, we're a very close-knit family here. We're all going to Vegas together. Um, I'm, I bought airline tickets for Logan and Jesse and Jim and Jim's wife, Nancy, and me. My husband. My husband's a poker player, unfortunately. Uh, so he, he's going to go play in the World Series of Poker. And, but we're going to have a great time playing Modern Masters and being there with the 10,000 other people. That's exciting. Oh, it's, it, I can't wait. We're counting down the days. Cool. So do you hire your players? Were they originally customers for your store, the guys that you hired? Um, or just sort of? It, almost all of them were people that, that have played in my store. Um, and I kind of secretly like watched them work because like we'd hire them just to sort cards. Mm -hmm. And so, and they just for store credit and, and then they're over in a corner sorting cards. And some of the people I, you know, would just sit there and talk and not sort. And, uh, when I saw Logan, my store manager, they, well, before I hired him, you know, he, he just would sort and sort and sort and sort and not look up or anything. He was just, you know, just so into his work. And um, so, yes, I hire I would be very afraid to let anybody I didn't know go behind the counter mm. just because of the high dollar cards that are back there, even though we have an inventory system. You know, you don't come in every day and count all your cards. And so I have to very much trust who I hire. Yeah, no, I would agree. That's something that's, uh, that's hard to find, people that you can trust. I got and very lucky. I, I, I got some Eagle Scouts. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Actual, actual Eagle Scouts. Yeah, yeah. And Logan had his Eagle Scout ceremony here at the store. He walked over the bridge with the with his flags and everything and and I just thanked thank God for the day that he walked into my life because he, he just is such an extremely hard working person. Sounds awesome. And Jim too over here. He's feeling left out. But he walked into my life five years ago and revolutionized the store because before that we would like the customer would come in and write down on a piece of paper what cards they wanted, and and uh, we would try to read their handwriting, <laughs> and and then we'd go look on this place called FindMagicCards.com. It's no longer around, and we'd eyeball and get the the mean or the average, whatever we could see, and we'd write the prices down for each card, and then we give it back to the customer, and then the customer would go yes or no. Then we go try to pull the cards, but we didn't have them. We didn't have them. So we didn't have them alphabetized. We had them by oh, these are a bunch of black cards and stuff. And uh, so it was so stressful to pull an order because I, I like to please people, and I'd get like, okay, we got down to the point where they want this card at this price. Now, do I have the card? You know. And to, to turn around them. after they're looking at you for a while trying to pull it and then say you don't have it is horrible. Right yeah. now, right now I get like emails when I'm at home or people contact me through the website and they go, do you have this card, Pat? And I can just pull up Jim's software and it says I have 20 of that card and I can tell them I have 20 of that card. Um, and like I said, we very, very seldom miss a single card on an order. Okay. And uh, it's, 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 
pretty pretty it amazes me that we can pull a hundred card order and not miss a card. No, that sounds great. Actually, we've gone over so many different things that uh, I forgot to ask. How did you find Jim? Like, when you said he walked into your life. Like, were you looking for somebody to create this kind of system for you, or did it, uh, how did this partnership come up? Um, no, he. You're gonna tell him, Jim. Go so uh, I'll tell the story. Um, you know, I I started playing Magic, and the guy who was working. Uh, here at the time, LJ, he and I had become buddies. You know, we would do the road trips, you know, to go play in PTQs and mm-hmm. all that together. And, and again, at that point, you know, the the orders were, were not that many. And so LJ and I were talking, and, you know, he kind of said, you know, what would really help me would be something that would give me this median price because he's looking up all these things. Well, I mean, I had plenty of development skills and, you know, um, uh, he said, well, shit, I can do one better. And basically uh, developed a a, a real quick little ordering system. Um, And then Pat saw it and she said, you know, this needs to be on the web. And said, okay. And... I might be a little bit old school, but I, I pulled that together. And this was one of those things where I I knew the domain and I just said, okay, here you go, Pat. She took a look at it, you know, as kind of a proof of concept. And she goes, wow. And then Pat and I talked about, okay, here's what we're going to do. And so from then on, it's been, um, you know, the the epitome of agile programming, if you will, where Pat has an idea. What if we could do that? And then I'll come back with that function or feature. And what if we do this? And it, it's really grown since then. Um, as Pat mentioned earlier, I've been compensated in cardboard and uh, fun stuff. But you know, again, part of the part of the uh, fun for me is you know just being part of the environment and you know being part of the team. So. It's all good. Jim gave up Scrabble to come play Magic. So he came in as a, I never saw the guy, he came in to play Magic. He had been running the Scrabble tournaments using software pretty much like the Wizard Event Reporter. And I guess he wrote that software too. But we we, we got lucky because he gave up Scrabble. Very nice for you guys. Yeah, I, w- I was playing a competitive Scrabble and involved with that scene for a while, but yeah, you know, it it wore thin. Mm. So anyway, it's uh, very fortuitous for both me and Pat. I think, um, you know, it's been great synergy here and yeah, I've done the software, but I also like to think, you know, Pat and I are around the same age and my experience and business knowledge and, you know, love of the game has made me a resource for her to bounce ideas off of and, you know, very complimentary. That helps. Yeah, that's why he's my business manager now. He has all a lot of business skills. I've learned all my business skills. I have a biology degree, so so uh, far ways from being a store owner and uh, all the other things. Yeah, it's interesting where life takes you. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, side side question was uh, how do you determine your prices? Like you said, you don't follow. 
Star City or anything like that. Like, what do you do? Do you just knew you choose? Were no, we knew, we knew that. <laughs> so um, the prices are scraped from the from the web. There's various sites we go to, and um, you know, we'll pull together, you know, the price for past games. Um, so like an I'll, aggregate kind of thing, multiple sources. Yeah, sort I, of like NTG Coldfish. <clears throat> I, I'm not going to get into specifics because that's competitive knowledge. One of the um, best best uh, comments uh, somebody made to me. You know, we've got a bunch of players around here who, yeah, they play, but their their passion is trading and trying to arbitrage stores, especially online stores. Mm-hmm. So if they know that a card is gotten real hot, I mean, the best thing they they love doing is saying, okay. I got this card that you know for a buck and a half, and it just jumped up to ten. Well, one of the one of the top guys there said, "Yeah, it's really hard to arbitrage pass," and that's the biggest compliment I could get. Yeah. My my system makes sure the you know we call it real time pricing, and I'm not going to go into details, but it, it's fair and it's very efficient. Sounds excellent. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we have better prices than Star City. I'll you, say that. I think you're going to make a lot of a uh, lot of other game store owners jealous. I might make Star City angry, but <laughs> we've oh, had wow. an actually good relationship with Star City too. Yeah, how do they uh, influence your business? Like they they do have the open series in in or around Austin, right? Oh yeah, yeah they do. Um, I'm very very happy. Uh, I think Star City has added so much to magic giving giving those tournaments uh, the big tournaments they have with a lot of cash it gives reason to people to buy the cards and so it, it very much helps my business when they come into uh, Austin or San Antonio Dallas and have those tournaments I'm very very grateful to Star City yeah you, you had asked earlier um, regarding what are the hot formats and all that mm-hmm. a lot of times in a particular week uh, the hot format for that week will be whatever um, the big Star City thing is, you know, in the area, whether it's Dallas or Houston or San Antonio. So if there's a big Star City, uh, you know, standard thing, we're going to see a lot of people playing standard. If it's modern or legacy, we're going to see those guys as well. So um, that that heavily influences what, what our week looks like. If uh, Star City's doing something. If a new set comes out, then everybody's wanting to draft. Um, so, yeah, the players cross over into a lot of the – a lot of players now are going into our popper because mm-hmm. it's – you know, you can build a nice popper deck for $30. So on Friday nights, we have popper. We try to do something on Friday nights that other stores in Austin don't do. So we do commander and popper. I love how Wizards now lets us give out Friday Night Magic cards for casual formats. Um, we've really, we really saw that as an opportunity for us to attract players. Cool. So it's been a good change for you then. Yes. All right, and I like the uh, the strategy of not necessarily doing the standard FNM that the other twenty stores in your city are doing. That's correct. Because right, you're not going to draw on the same people. You might actually get some, uh, you know, some players might want to play Popper that Friday. And even if it's just a $30 deck, we're selling $30 worth of cards. Exactly. Okay. Uh, 
So, uh, has anyone ever actually come to you? Like you said, you mentioned that uh, some of your players were like, oh, I love to have a game store, right? Pardon me? Uh, you've mentioned before that sometimes your players would say to you that they would love to own a game store. Like oh, yours. many of them. <laughs> yes, many, many of them want, want to own a game store. If somebody actually said, okay, I've got you know the money to do this, I really want to pursue this, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, the the money is the main thing. I mean, you need to have at least enough money to keep you going pro- uh, a year to establish your customer base. I mean, it just isn't going to start overnight, and it's it's hard to start because um, if you don't get eight people right away, or you know, then people won't come back if you don't have decent numbers to start with. And um, so maybe when you start out, you might have to do a little bit better prizes or something do something to to get people into the store and uh, like I said it kind of the more successful it is it's just it spins up it's either going to spin up or it's going to spin down so you know you got to come in and do a really good job right away you can't come in and not know how to use the wizard event reporter which I've seen stores do I seen they don't know how to even run the software to run a tournament you got to have some good judges because People aren't going to come back if they don't have good judge calls. Um, so basically, have have your A game right away. Um, and it does take a lot of money to do singles. Because when people come in and they have a Black Lotus and, you know, these high-dollar cards, you need to pull out your cash and buy them. Um, so I always keep um, some cash in my bank for these times or you're going to miss the opportunity. So a lot of cash <laughs> and, and, a, and a, you know, maybe working at another game store ahead of time would be good. So, you know, to run the software, you know how to seat the drafts when to Jim and I go around Austin and play at different stores mm-hmm. just to see what our competition is doing. And one of the stores did not know how to use the wizard event reporter. And it was a big, it was a big, a tournament where they were giving a from the vault 20 away and uh, they didn't know how to they didn't know how to make a pod and so there were like 24 people there they said sit wherever you want Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 another place we went they didn't have a printer <laughs> you know so yeah, I, I i really think that's a problem for wizards in that uh, they are giving accounts to a lot, a lot of stores that don't know anything about how to run tournaments. Okay, so uh, there's I a think, there's a base level of knowledge that you really need to get into this game, organized wise. Well, well, what I what I think a lot of stores um, think is, oh, geez, selling magic is like just having another product, a la, you know, a comic book or you know, board games, things like that. When, it, in fact, it's uh, to get to get started and to grow that player base. It's it's more hospitality. You're putting on a party. You're putting on that tournament. So that's a much different mindset. It's a slightly different business model because now you're no longer um, selling a product per se. You're selling a service, and that's what Pat got to. You know, you need the scorekeeping function. You need the judging function, um, you know, all those types of things, which 
if you're paying some kid minimum wage to stand, you know, behind a counter and sling packs or, you know, Funko figures or whatever off the shelf to somebody, that that's a much different interaction with, you know, eight, ten, you know, twelve players who who have invested thousand, you know, a thousand dollars in their legacy decks and expect some service, right? Mm-hmm. So would you so, say the the game is like half product, half events based marketing? Well, like it's, I think you said hospitality. It's it's the I, experience. I, I think there's yes. A, a, yes. Yes, and you, you want there. people to always have a good time. Um, that's that's what I do. That's what I started doing because when I went to play at, at, at the first store, you know, I wanted me and my kids to have a good time. We didn't care whether we won. Uh, we just wanted to we wanted to play, and the tournaments didn't start on time, and we didn't get to play as much as we would have liked. But just you know, it, I tell I tell my players if someone's not nice to them, I want to know. I want to know, and we will definitely talk to them. And if and they will either straighten up or they will be banned. And I've banned a lot of people from my store, <laughs> and and people people thought it was cool to be even banned from my store back in the old days. And and they were telling people they were banned, and I didn't even know them. They'd never been in my store, but. Uh, um, but, but we run a, a place where it's very much we want, number one, the players to have a good time. But, but to, to the uh, original question, it, it is um, it's interesting because a lot of people show up to sign in for a tournament, and they're also saying, okay, I'm picking up my order, and I've traded in cards, and... The trade-in covers the cost of the new cards for the deck they want to run that night, as well as the tournament entry fee. Um, you know, or we've also actually minted, if you will, or had made our own store credit uh, coins. There should be a picture of one of them on the website. On the website, mm-hmm. you know. So we made our own money um, years ago, um, probably about six, eight years ago. Uh, because we were keeping store credit on a spreadsheet on the refrigerator, and it and the spreadsheet really did hit the floor. And so I thought, what can I do? And I made these gold coins that have a, a picture of a castle on them and a dragon on one side, a castle and dragon on the other. And we made them in three dollar and six dollar increments because our tournaments are twelve dollars and six dollars, six dollars for a standard. And I I never never thought about how great these coins were going to be. It was just to solve the problem of the spreadsheet. And what it has done is we don't let people sell cards in our store, but they can buy coins to trade to other people. So if, you know, if you have something and that someone else has it, but they don't have anything you want, you trade for Pat's Games coins. Now people are trading uh, furniture to get Pat's games uh-huh. coins, um, we've made a currency uh, that's way beyond the store. And uh, when I go to restaurants, um, I tip with Pat's games coins because I go to restaurants where my magic players are, and I request to be waited on by them, and then I tip them with Pat's games coins, which they're very happy to get. But it's also done something very strange in that these coins are just advertisement 
And uh, every time Wizards of the Coast has sent people to see us, they've wanted a coin to take back. And uh, the coins have become belt buckles. The coins have gone to Sweden. They're all over the world at this point. And, you know, so you're getting advertising. You're getting trading happening. Um, you're keeping money in the store because nobody is sneaking around and paying cash and for cards. And uh, it makes the process of signing in to the tournaments really fast. They give us a $6 coin. They give us two $6 coins to place uh, um, draft. So uh, it had so much benefit, plus saves credit card fees. Um, on and on. I mean, these coins were one of the best things I did. Yeah, that's a really cool and, idea. And the point, the other point is uh, prizes are are either packs or coins. So if you, let's say, win your draft, uh, you get four packs or four $3 coins. And that's how we, how we operate. We have a lot of coins out there in circulation around Austin. Cool. Where did you get the coins made? Ah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that we don't tell either. Dang. That, I'll just tell I'm you sure, though, the, again, the somebody's going to be like, that's really cool. I want to do that too. The coins are uh, more expensive to have made, to be made than they are worth. Mm. They cost more than $3 to have made. So, um, so they're not cheap. They're heavy duty. They're heavy metal. And, uh, so. Uh, if you Google, you, you can find any number of places that'll, yeah. that'll do it. I'm sure people uh, could figure it out if they really wanted to. Yeah. Right, but it's again, it's as much an investment in yeah, how we do business and allowing you know the customer to interact with the store at another level, right? And uh, a certain amount of stickiness. You know, I've got a bunch of store credit, so it's all mm -hmm. good. We've had our own sleeves made uh, with with fantastic art. We hired a professional artist to. Um, has done uh, video game art, Pirates 101, and the newest one, Crowfall. Crowfall. And he did a, a great logo for us, and he did our fantasy art. And um, our art is known all over, and we do uh, send people to the Pro Tour in that we um, loan them the cards that they need, and we give them the, the Pat's Game sleeves, and um, the shirts, and we give them, when they write tournament reports, we give them money. Um, and we, we've sent someone to Japan, someone to Amsterdam. We bought their airline tickets for these. Um, and then, you know, we have some pretty pretty good, got one of our guys just won a Star City Games Invitational, and he, he pointed our sleeves toward the camera the whole time, which was pretty awesome, where it says Pat's Games. He had the Pat's games pointing to the camera. So that was, that was his idea. I, I, I was amazed. Sounds like you have a, some really, uh, you have a really good group of players. Well, the whole thing I could tell you again about if one, someone wants to start a store is communication. Mm -hmm. um, so many stores fail because there's, there's not good communication. I keep the website up. I, I know that you looked at it. 
I, I keep it up. I mean, everything old is taken off. Everything new is put up. We have a scrolling weekly calendar. We have the monthly calendar. Uh, we, we mass email. We work Facebook really hard. I put everything up on Facebook. I, I have 806 806 real followers. These aren't, these aren't people that I paid Facebook to add to my number of people watching or it's their real magic players. And, uh, so I work, I work really hard. I get up my first hour of the morning is, is going to Facebook. Um, and I'm friends with many, many, many stores and, you know, the wizard site and, um, and, and I got your email mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I see everything people's putting up. You know, this is a cool card. This just happened at Wizards. This this is on Stars. Um, uh, geez, not what 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 about this? MTG Salvation. And huh. uh, and so I gather all that information and I take it and I put it on my Facebook page. I try to I try to give people everything without having to go to a bunch of places because I've already gone through those places. And so. I, I start work at seven in the morning, and I usually try to get off out of the store by the time I, we get all the tournaments kicked at about seven thirty. I get to go home, so I'm working twelve hours a day, uh, pretty much. Well, mo- most days, Saturday, um, Saturday afternoons and Sundays, um, I still work. I still come in and get the business stuff done, the paying of the bills and the accounting and all that kind of stuff. But um, you you got to work hard. So many people think they can start a store and and that it's just going to be fun playing the game. Um, nope. But it's a lot, a lot of sorting and cleaning up after people and communicating. Like I said, I'm always available um, through Facebook, through my email. I have the contact pad on there. Uh, people do call me. Um, we get judge questions. Um, through the emails that I can answer, or if I don't know the answer, I can get to someone that does. I'm not a judge. Um, I, I mostly just draft, too. <laughs> I love popping packs. I know what you mean. Something uh, exciting about opening a booster pack. Yeah, even if you own a store, you, yeah. s- you still want to open packs. Well, it's, got a, it's like a mini form of gambling. It, it is. It is. And, and I, I am a gambler, definitely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. official company policy: magic is not gambling in any way, shape, or form. No, of yeah. course not. Magic no, is, magic's a it's skill. got the same thrill, but none of the none of the consequences. The game is skill. Yes, I wizard wizards is very concerned. Uh, yeah, of about, course. So I, I needed to interject that for the audience out there. <laughs> yeah, just in case somebody was. Uh, Alarmed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is a game of skill. There's no longer any antis. Um, people still ask about that all the time. That that's. I don't know why that rumor still goes around. Because it's been so long ago that that happened. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Either way, they'll get they'll get over it. So, uh, so what's coming up in the future for Pat's Games? What's uh, what's new and exciting? Oh, wow. That's what we we get together, um, Jim and I and Logan, and we try to figure out what what can we do? What can we do to make the store better? Where where can we, you know, and right now it's hard to think. Mostly 
mostly I'm probably going to add more um, beauty to the outside of the place, more patios going around to the backyard. Um, and people, people come here when we don't have tournaments. They come and just play under the patio. It's easy to get people out at closing time now where it used to be very difficult. Um, because I tell them you can just hang out on the patio all night if you want to. It's all lit up. And uh, so I don't know. We're gonna we're doing the best we can on our pre-PTQs. We we are having still the biggest in in the in the state of Texas. And um, so looking forward to the June seventh one. Um, as a story, like I said, I don't know how much we can do better than we do. Yeah. Well. I mean, we're, we're still gearing up for the Vegas trip, as, as Pat had mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, the PPTQ, you know, is on the seventh, uh, and you've got Origins coming out. So, you know, the the short term is is real busy, just keeping up with the various Wizards products and and events. Um, when you look at, at things, you know, there's you know just general care and feeding of the software. There's always stuff that needs to be done there. Uh, but what's been real interesting is we've always taken a lot of our direction and cues from the players, um, and particularly in what formats we support and all that. You know, a lot of times it's, it's the players who are saying, yeah, we're interested in tiny leaders or we're interested in pauper, we're interested in this, and, and we go that, that route. Um, there's a group who invented or like to say they invent uh, four-headed giants. You know, everybody gets this sealed pool, and then they play two-headed giant round robin in groups of four. So I'm I'm really seeing um, a, a lot of that happening. You know, on the weekend and Fridays, you know, these variant mm -hmm. um, kinds of uh, formats because I think that brings a lot of fun, and so that's that's going to be something I expect to see a lot of over the summer. And then I also expect, you know, the competitive Tuesdays and Thursdays where it's, you know, the, the really solid, um, both constructed and sealed formats, you know, we're, we're going to see that uh, continue to take off. We get new players, it seems, all the time. Just the other day, I cut five new, uh, five or six new DCI six, numbers. Six new DCI numbers on Friday night. Um, Wizards of the Coast does do this... Um, monthly or quarter every every month or every three months I'm not even sure um, we they they do a email to us on our our statistics and like number of unique players number of players that played at your store once and then came back uh, number of tournaments you have per month or per year actually they just keep adding it up for the year so you get the report and it will show you and uh, our numbers are off the chart um, and really and truly off the chart um, because when you're running, you know, four or five formats and a couple of them are, you know, two or three of them are booster drafts, so we're like running, uploading eight tournaments a night, um, we get pretty impressive numbers. Yeah, I would think so. And our pre-releases are probably, at one time, they're they're the biggest in the United States. We get uh, we sell every every kit that we have or every seat, whatever you want to call it. We've had 600 people here for a pre-release, and uh, 
and whatever Wizards allocates us for pre-release kits, we sell every every um, seat, and that's with having all these other stores in Austin also. Yeah, and, and to be clear, that's you know 600 people over, you know the the various events for that weekend. We run all six events and cap each one at a hundred. Still, that's crazy it's, numbers. It's killer. The Friday midnight one, you know. As soon as it's twelve oh one Saturday, we got a line of people looking for their kit, and um, you know we we've blown blown the numbers there. It might be you know one hundred twenty, hundred thirty. I think for uh, Return to Ramnica Friday was the midnight one was one hundred seventy some yeah. players. It was I, incredible. I have to say we used to rent the the building next door to us, which had a, a space that could fit eighty five people. So we had. Um, so we had three buildings going. Um, so that was pretty cool that they, they would let us rent rent that extra space. So at one time we could have 177 people at one time. Uh, now, now we have to cap it at 100 for each event. And uh, for our big PTQs that we used to have, we rented the Norris Conference Center so we could get 300 people in. Mm -hmm. So how did you get so many people coming out for a pre-release? What was the, what's the secret? It is. A, it isn't much of a secret, but I give away um, uh, lots of freebies. We have what we call the treasure trove. Okay. And basically, I put about four dollars worth of prizes per person into the treasure trove. Um, the worst prize a person could get is a booster pack, and um, and we give out. The Graveborns, we given out the From the Vault 20s. Uh, we gave out the Anthology. Um, um, Fire and Ice. Yeah. We, we, we put in uh, between three and $5,000 worth of prizes. And people just, uh, we give out tickets, and they just draw a ticket out of, out of the jar, and then we have a spreadsheet that we match it up, and then they get that prize. Yeah. Um, we don't view pre-releases as a big money maker. Um, we get so many new people and we get a lot of our customers that are very, very casual that only play at pre-releases. So we might only see them once every three months, but when they do come, they buy everything. And so we're putting this extra money out there um, besides the regular prizes um, to get the big numbers because we sell a lot of other things yeah, during so, these pre-releases. Uh, the other thing we do in the pre-release is some, some stores will run them as tournaments and go five, six rounds, you know. Yeah. We just go three rounds, and everybody gets, you know, the, the treasure trove. They get a participation pack. They get one pack per round one. And so that way um, we get a lot of the people who want to play in – as many events as possible, so they get as many of the promo cards as possible. They get a full set of whatever. Uh, we also um, staff them with judges, yes. and the judging is to help them play, you know, and resolve issues. It's not to give out penalties; it's to make sure they have a good time. Yes, we hire we hire level two judges, um, so it keeps the tournaments moving really fast. Because a lot of times. Um, there's new mechanics 
and the, and players don't know how it works. It's the first time they're getting to play that set, and so we, we judge up very heavily so the events run smoothly and, uh, and, and correctly. And, and the casual players like that. They're not in with a bunch of sharks, and they're in with, you know, people are just there to have a good time, enjoy the new set. Yeah, we, we're not catering to the competitive player with our pre-releases because we're giving everybody participation packs and we're giving everybody a drawing prize. There are stores in Austin that give a whole box or two boxes to the winner. They go six rounds, so they get a definite winner. Um, and that's where the competitive players go to play because they, they really want the competition. Mm -hmm. And we, we went after the casual player, and there's a lot more casual players than there are competitive players. I mean, we don't mind having the competitive players here, but they usually choose one of the other stores. Yeah, they've got the other nights of the week for, for their uh, competitive fill at your store, right? Great. Okay. Um, we're coming up to an hour and 25 minutes. Is there anything, yeah, is there anything else you want to share? Is there I know, anything it's been kind uh, of unique? Fun talking to you. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and talking about your awesome store. And I wish I lived near to uh, Austin so I could come visit because the place sounds incredible. Austin is a beautiful city too. So someday, if you get here, do come over. Um, we yeah. did have the president of Wizards of the Coast come a couple years ago. We did not know he was coming. Uh, it was mm -hmm. kind of like undercover boss on TV showed up at the front desk and said, hi, I'm Greg Leeds. Pre no, he, I'm Greg <laughs> Leeds from Wizards of the Coast. And we didn't know, we didn't know Greg Leeds was the wizard from the president of Wizards of the Coast. So, you know, I just started talking to him and uh, he said, I came to see one of the best stores in the United States. And uh, we didn't know who he was. I, I took that as a compliment, but I wasn't like, overly wow because I didn't know he, and Jim went out and talked to him and Jim said what do you do for Wizards of the Coast and he said I'm the president I run the whole thing oh wow right <laughs> so uh, that was pretty cool we also were one of the stores out of eight in the world to get one of the pieces of the big Jace when they had the big Jace chase Mm -hmm. uh, during World Wake, and, they, and Wizards of the Coast cut up a Jace into eight pieces, and at midnight put up the longitude and latitude of the store um, where the piece would be, and the first person there, the seeker, would get the little piece, the real card piece that was cut up, and it was sealed in Certificate of Authenticity, and the store got to keep the big matching puzzle piece. And we got the best piece because we got the piece that says Jace, comma, the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, geocaching stuff. But anyway, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess uh, this would be a good point to share where the listeners can find you. Where uh, we're in real life and we're online. Um, we're at patsgames.com online. We also have Pat's Games Facebook, and uh, we're at twenty three zero eight Hancock Drive, Austin, Texas. Twitter? Oh, Twitter? Uh, it comes out as, I think, Pat Johnson. Uh, okay. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I uh, think this was a, a very interesting 
interview. Well, I hope people like it. I think they will. Do you want to run better Magic events with higher turnouts and players battling one another to stay on top of the standings week after week? Well, now you can. MTGleaderboards.com is a system for creating and managing everything you need to run killer Magic tournaments. Create seasons, track player performance, and get your players pumped to play in your store every day of the week. Check out mtgleaderboards.com, sign up today, and you'll get the early adopter special rate. Supercharge your magic events with mtgleaderboards.com. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pat Johnson. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Pat. Thank you too, Jim. I really appreciate it. I love, uh, love the fact that you came on to talk to me and talk about your sweet, sweet business. And if uh, you guys want any more info, more strategies, resources, all kinds of things to help build a better game store, uh, head over to ManiverseSaga.com because that's where we talk about game store entrepreneurship and the magic community. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>